The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 489. Got a special guest joining me today, a first timer to the show. I was uh, privileged to be on his podcast a couple weeks ago. The dude is all over Twitter, tweeting out amazing information, even writing stuff now as well. So go check that out. I'll let him plug it all here in just a minute. But you can find his uh, podcast, the Fantasy MLB Today podcast. He is on Twitter at Joe Orico, O R R I C O 99. Joe, how are you doing, man? Baba, I am thrilled to be here, man. I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm a happy man today in Toronto. First of all, with Charlie Montoyo being uh, being out of town, I know a lot of people are not too happy, but it's definitely brightened up my day. But being on here, uh, very very excited to be on here for the first time. We set this up a couple weeks back, and I've been looking forward to it, man. We're going to talk some uh, NL surprises, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. I appreciate it, man. I'm looking forward to it. I had a great time chatting with you a few weeks ago. Uh, I know you had my buddy Bloom, Ryan Bloomfield, on again for the second time. Dude's an amazing human being and a fantasy analyst to top it off. But uh, before we get into the, the other topics of the day, again, plug your podcast, plug your articles you're writing, plug a special event we have coming up, all kinds of fun stuff. Absolutely. There is a lot to be excited about. Now, I'm pretty new into this space, but I've been welcomed in uh, with open arms by guys like yourself and like Ryan. 
Ryan was on the show today. We talked yesterday, but it's actually a part of today's show. And that show, like you said, uh, Fantasy MLB Today, it's part of the Sports Ethos podcast. I don't know if they really call it a network, but the sportsethos.com is where a lot of the stuff comes out. It used to be hoopball for those of you who play fantasy uh, basketball. They used to be old friends of uh, Bogman and the Welsh who know uh, the site creators, uh, Dan Bespris and Aaron Bruski back from their Roto World days. And anyway, I got in with those guys and started doing this. There's a, a fantasy NBA Today show, NFL Today so they're all kind of sister shows, and we've been going for about four months now, and we do that Monday through Friday, uh, usually half an hour to an hour. I bring on a guest about once a week. Uh, Bubba, you were on. We did a buy low, a sell high show. I listened back to it, and it actually sounded like we, we got a few things right, you know, buy low on uh, a couple of guys that's, that actually turned out to be, uh, to, to turn it around, I should say. They turned it around, and the sell highs who have kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit. So it sounded good. Uh, a lot of people love you. That's like the most downloaded episode of the show. So that's uh, crazy, but thank pe- you. People love their people love their Bubba stuff. But uh, I'll be uh, I do uh, I should say once a week a Sunday article where I kind of just do my own thing. Some weeks it's a waiver wire thing where I talk about some of the most added guys. Some weeks it's buy low and sell high. Uh, I just kind of mix it up, whatever I'm really feeling that week. Uh, it's Sunday afternoon. It usually comes out. I tweet it out. Uh, like you said, follow me on Twitter. And uh, I usually do some Twitter threads uh, throughout the day. I've been I've had COVID these last couple of weeks, so I've been kind of down uh, with the Twitter activity. But uh, I've been ramping it up again recently, uh, just trying to do some recaps and some uh, brief player evaluations as much as the 280 characters will allow you to do. Uh, just trying to get some information out there. I didn't see so much of that really going on, so just trying to find my own little way in this fantasy world. But trying to put out a bunch of content like yourself, just trying to get my name out there. That's the way to do it. First off, glad you're feeling better. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, no, that's just the thing is, and you do it consistently. That's my number one thing I tell people whenever they ask me, they'll message me or whatever, like, what do you recommend? I say, just be consistent. If it's once a week, make it that once a week. Whatever you do, just make it consistent. That's what you do with your show. And one of the threads I love because um, I talk to a lot of people about it, and I know Bloomfield and I share sentiments the same. Like, we do a lot of NFPC content. I'm not going to joke around about that. But Bloomfield and I, we, we're – our goal is to try to be not as heavy in FPC focused if possible. Uh, because in reality, most people that take in content play ESPN, play CBS, play Yahoo. They play 10 and 12 team leagues. They're not playing the NFPC leagues. It's just the brass tacks of it all. I love the the format of the NFPC. I think it's great. I'm going to keep playing there. But um, what you did that I, I was introduced to that I really, really like, and I think people have flocked to your stuff for is one of your threads is always like the most added players on Yahoo every day. And I think that's a super, super helpful thing because, you know, there's waiver wire pieces I write and other people write. It comes out once a week. Okay, that's cool. But Yahoo's mainly always daily leagues. So that's like a big deal that you can kind of highlight this and that. You put some stats behind it. It's not just like a fluff piece. Like it's it, it's, it's pretty good stuff. And that's the kind of content like you talked about trying to be something different. Um, there wasn't much of that going on. So I think that that's a good thing you're doing, not to mention the other stuff. So keep up the awesome work is what I'm trying to say. I really appreciate that, man. Thank you. I haven't been so active with the most added player threads. Like I said, I haven't been feeling the best. You're but... allowed to take some time off. It's, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, those will be starting to come back again very soon. So be on the lookout. All right. Well, let's get into it. Last week I had first half A. Actually, I wanted to ask you something, but I want you to plug your stuff first. You you hinted at it at the top. You talked about it. You have a new manager in Toronto. Um, well, you're going to potentially. Like you have an interim manager right now in Toronto. Uh, there's rumors that you might be getting some old friends coming back to town. That's one of the rumors I've heard. I've heard mixed reactions on that, just uh, watching Twitter kind of have its fun with it. It's really entertaining. It seems like anybody that's a Toronto Blue Jays fan or in the area, 
they understood this move 100%. They're like, yep, okay, it makes sense. It was time for Charlie to go. Outsiders are confused because all they remember is last year's Toronto team that was amazing, not the other parts that have struggled tremendously. So um, what are you hoping they do to, I guess, fire these guys up? Because the talent's still there. It's just not clicking right now. Well, I think there have been some underperformers. So, I mean, Charlie is the scapegoat. I was never a huge fan of Montoyo. He never really lit that fire under the guys, I thought. Uh, and it's evidenced by his record. It was exactly 500, I think 236 and 236. It's just exactly perfectly average. And this team is built to be a lot better than that. Now, like I said, uh, Kikuchi has been awful. Barrios has been a complete roller coaster up and down. Last night he was fantastic, but uh, it's, you know, next start might be eight and runs again. So you haven't really known what we're going to get out of him. Kevin Gosman has been great, but he got hurt recently. He's missed a couple of starts. So other than Alec Manoa, they haven't had a lot of consistency in that rotation. Uh, the bullpen, other than Jordan Romano, has been pretty inconsistent. There's a couple of the guys. David Phelps has been all right. Uh, Tim Meza is another guy for those of you uh, who I don't think he's too well known outside of Toronto. But there's a couple of decent depth guys in that pen. They haven't been really performing uh, outside of those guys. And we've seen struggles throughout the lineup. So I thought there might have been a, a hidden coach move where they got rid of the hidden coach or something. Uh, you tend to not really see a lot of success once the manager's fired midseason. So it's kind of, I'm not going to say a surrender for the team this year, but uh, historically, I, I saw some article, a Bleach Report or ESPN or something, where out of 85 managers who've been fired midseason, uh, 19 of their teams ended up making the playoffs. This is since 1970, 1980 or so. So uh, it's not looking great, other than maybe they bring in a few pieces at the bullpen. Uh, I think it's the Yankees year in the American league. Although Houston is very, very close behind them. The Yankees get all the press, but Houston's only five or six games back. So I think it's between the two of them. This will be more of a, uh, unfortunately another kind of development year for the blue Jays. I think. Yeah, it sucks. Cause they were so close last year. I was, I was loving a lot of the shirts they were wearing in the in spring training about like last year was the, um, like, this is the real movie basically is what it came down to last year was the the preview this is where it's at the prequel or something so uh, i was i was looking forward to it there's all they're so young still which is a good thing uh maybe they go the phillies route though since they got rid of girardi they've been playing great baseball so you never know there's always hope and uh the extra wild card helps out as well so we'll see where that one goes i just want to get your your thought on that one because i love rooting for those those jays but they have been very frustrated especially if you play fantasy it has not been what we've been hoping for for many of them, but uh, I digress. Like I said, last week we had a uh, first half AL surprises with our buddy Torres. Torres takes was on to, to break those down this week. We have Joe doing first half NL, and we talked about it before the show started that NL was not nearly as easy to do as AL. It was um, some teams that aren't that good. They don't really surprise. I guess surprises would be if they were winning baseball games. That would be the surprise. But we'll start in the AL or the NL East. We'll start with the New York Mets. And I picked uh, David Peterson or Taiwan Walker. You decide which one you want. Because I think Peterson has been really, really strong. Still walks too many guys. The strikeout rate's been outstanding, though. Uh, he's been using, the, I believe, the slider a lot more of late. His pitch mix has changed a ton. Talked about him a few weeks ago. Um, but then you got Taiwan Walker, who I've never been a Taiwan guy, but he has slowly been getting it going of late and really filling in the void the best you can for the injured Scherzer and uh, DeGrom. You can never fill that void, but as close as they can. So what are your thoughts on these pitchers, and is there anybody else in New York that you had? Well, you could go the Francisco Lindor route, I guess, because last year was so disappointing. I don't know if it's really a, a surprise necessarily, and the title of the show is Surprises. It's more just uh, what we would have hoped for. 
but uh, he's already surpassed his RBI total from last year, things like that. So he's not a surprise per se, but definitely someone I wanted to mention. But between Peterson and Walker, uh, they're really the reason or a large reason for the Mets success. They're ranking in top 10 in almost every major pitching category, despite losing Scherzer and DeGrom and my guy, Ryan's guy, uh, Tyler McGill who we were both really big on. He had some, uh, he had injuries and he was disappointing a little bit. So they've lost a lot of their pitching depth and Taiwan Walker, uh, I think might be the, the bigger standout just because this is probably the best year of his career to this point, 263 ERA. Uh, it's a 367 X FIP. So he's overperforming maybe a little bit, but even if he gets to that 367 number, it'd still be a success. Uh, he's 79th percentile chase rate and good X stats. Uh, and I think, you know, he's pretty sustainable rest of season. And one thing I did here is uh, just I jotted down some notes beside every player and I put down their NFBC ADP. I don't play uh, NFBC just to get that out of the way. I'm kind of new to this whole fantasy world. So I focus, like you said earlier, more on Yahoo and uh, ESPN. But I know a lot of your listeners are NFBC guys. So I jotted down NFBC ADPs from late February until the start of the season and with Taiwan Walker, he was going as the 425th pick on average. That's across all NFBC events. So great value there. David Peterson, even more value. He was going after pick 700. And he's got 348 ERA with a 352 XFIP. Uh, he's had a great bump in his strikeouts recently, uh, like seven strikeouts, I think, in each of his last five starts. And last night, he got left in the game a little bit too long there. It was unfortunate. Matt Olson took him for a ride. But... Overall, uh, both of these guys really, really exceptional. Uh, I, I would lean Taiwan as being slightly more exceptional, but uh, you could go either way, I think. Yeah, I, I don't blame you at all. I think Taiwan would be very, very uh, deserving of the surprise because, like I said, I've always been kind of skeptical. He's never been consistent for me. He's got the long ball issues from time to time. Seems to have really put it together so far. Um, and this is why, you know, a lot can change. That's why we're doing first half awards right now. Uh, with Taiwan, but uh, I, I could definitely, I was 100% out on him. Like, I have David Peterson in like draft and hold leagues, like in late rounds. Like, you mentioned the values, like, ah, oh, I could see him. He's had his moments from time to time. Okay, cool. I've even added him on Fab in a couple leagues this year. Um, Taiwan, I just never believed in. So he's totally fooled me. Like, he's very, very deserving of this. So I, I hope he continues it up. Like, that's what I want to see. Cause now Scherzer's back looked great in his return. Supposedly, Degrom is going to start throwing some more and get back here very shortly. If they can do that, the Mets can make a run, yeah, because they were kind of running away with that division, and then the Braves have come back. So uh, we'll have to kind of wait and see how that one goes. But I can definitely uh, see either one of those there, and I, I'll go with you on the Taiwan one. I think that's very, very deserving. Well, what we've seen with Degrom uh, those rehab starts, he's getting over a hundred. So I know it's single A batters he's been facing, but it's very promising. I mean, the Mets are going to have a lot of pitching depth down the stretch if he comes back healthy. Yeah, it'd be dangerous. Very dangerous. Just stay healthy to Grom. Stay healthy, please. Uh, the Atlanta Braves. This one, obviously, you can make a couple other arguments, but it seems like a no-brainer to me. Spencer Strider is the dude. Um, literally, between the stash, the abilities, it's just been one thing after the another with him. There were some people, I'll give credit where credit's due, like Russ and some other guys that were on him in deep, deep, deep formats going into the season. I'll be honest. Didn't have a clue really a whole lot about Spencer Strider heading into the year. Like I was like, okay, it's one of their prospects. Maybe we'll see him at some point. Whatever. No big deal. I don't worry too much about that. He's been filthy. Absolutely filthy. Even when he's kind of off, he still strikes out everybody. 110 Ks and 70 innings pitched. It's nuts. And it's like FIPS and XFIPS and Sierra. Like they all back up the production. Like it's just a legit ace type stuff. It's just longevity. How far can he go? That's the question. But when it comes to first half, he's been pretty darn good, Joe. So what do you think? The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way 
And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Well, I'm very happy. I put down, it was a very modest $10 bet on him, but it was at plus 1400 a while back for rookie of the year. So I'm feeling Ooh, pretty, I'm feeling pretty nice. good about, feeling pretty good about that. They're trying to get me to cash out over on, uh, over on Bet365, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out for the 150 as opposed to taking the uh, the 20 bucks. He's been outrageously good, man. I mean, he struggled with his control a little bit last night, but like you said, he was completely off the radar. Uh, I'd never heard of him. Granted, I mean, I've been a baseball fan, but I've definitely been more focused in this year doing the like quote unquote analyst thing, uh, trying to really dig in a little bit. But in terms of guys who I was on the radar or who were on my radar for minor leaguers, he was not there. But he probably should have been looking at his strikeout rate going back every year. It's over 30%. And he's up to just about 40% this year. Uh, the walks are maybe a touch higher than you'd want, but they're about where he's always been, about 10%. But at nearly 40% K rate, uh, I worry a little bit down the stretch how many innings he can really throw. He's already at 70 innings. He'd never thrown more than 63 in any of his uh, minor league stuff from last year anyway. So uh, I'm not... I'm not really worried about his outlook. I'm just very, uh, very happy with what we've got. I think he's going to win the NL Rookie of the Year uh, with strikeouts. Uh, his last 22 innings, 38 strikeouts, just ridiculous. Uh, that's the main takeaway for me is wherever they use him, he might end up being uh, down the line more of a bullpen guy. But I think that he'll be a great fantasy asset for years to come. Yeah, and uh, he might be a bullpen guy this year just because you mentioned the innings and the Braves want him in the postseason. So they're going to do whatever it takes to get him there. If it means, you know, doing the old race format and use him as a, use an opener and then piggyback with Strider for three Indians, they'll do that. They're going to keep him out there to keep him fresh, but we're going to, we're going to have uh, an issue seeing the innings. I think going down the line here, we might have a start skipped here. They're kind of how the Rays used McClanahan last year. They never officially shut him down, but it'd be like, Hey, we're going to kind of miss this start or, you know, we're going to throw him for one inning this time out and then wait until next time to let him go a full go stuff like that to kind of, uh, pace it out so that might get a little frustrating as the season goes on but even in those small glimpses he's probably gonna be great i or i added him everywhere i was adding him just as a a swing man like i didn't expect him to be this guy in the starting rotation which has been awesome but i always thought he'd actually kind of sneak into the back of the bullpen um in case kinley got hurt but that didn't need to happen so uh yeah i love spencer strider hope he keeps things keeps things going that's for sure yeah, uh, 715 was his NFBC ADP. He was an afterthought. Only a few leagues would have even, would have even drafted him. Most of the guys who are on this list are, were complete afterthoughts, like post-700. Uh, out of all the guys that we're going to talk about, only one of them was being drafted inside the top 100. Only one player. Wow, I can't wait to. Um, I'm, oh, I know who it is. Uh, he, plays, <laughs> he plays for Arizona, Indeed. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and that was a team was hard to find one on, so that's why he's on the list. Um, well, we're going to uh, go to Philadelphia now, and this player, beast mode, this past month, just crazy. Like he's been, I guess, kind of in a slump for like 
four games, but before that was just the month of June was his month. It was Schwarbaum time all over baseball. Bryce Harper goes on the IL. Schwarber goes, no problem. I got you, dude. And just starts crushing baseballs. Maybe he didn't like Joe Girardi. Maybe he's like, was the guy that said, Hey, fire this man. I don't know. But Kyle Schwarber is doing everything. He's walking at a ridiculous club. He's always been an OBP guy, but he's walking and hitting bombs. Like, I think it was him I wrote about recently. It was like one of the closer things to a very bomb. No, that was Soto I wrote about. But um, Schwarber's been awesome. So he's my surprise because in theory, Philadelphia doesn't really have any. Like Stott was supposed to be the guy. That didn't happen. Um, so I had Schwarber. What do you think? Yeah, Schwarber, I mean, he did the same thing last June. He was, I think I think it was June where he hit like 16 home runs and 75 at-bats or something ridiculous. He's got an outside shot of hitting 50 bombs if he keeps this up. Now, I worry he's a little bit streaky, and he might be uh, a guy you should sell high on in trade leagues just because this is probably as good as he's ever, not ever going to be, but as good as he's going to be this year. This has been uh, his his hot stretch, and I, I don't know that we can really expect 50. I mean, I'm hoping for 50. There's an outside chance at 50, and there's a very low BABIP at 228. He walks a lot. So there's a chance that he has a little bit more value outside of home runs going forward, but I think that you could probably sell pretty high on him. He's like a top 20 fantasy asset if you look at totals for the whole year. He's like 18th overall. I don't think we're going to see that continue down the stretch, but it's anybody's guess with that kind of power. Yeah, and the thing is with Schwarber is he can do streaks like this. Like we've seen it before, so he might have one more of these in him in like August or something and do it all over again. He did it with Boston. I think it was Boston last year after he came back from his injury and did stuff. Like he has waves of where he just kind of disappears for a bit and then other ways where he just crushes for a while. So um, he's awesome. Great OBP player in average leagues. Like you said, I would definitely look into selling high. Like I really would. Just, I love Schwarber. Absolutely love him. But let's be realistic. Like he's not going to be much higher than this. So it's, it's a great call on, on that idea. Like if, if your team's good in power, which it might be because of what Schwarber did, but you need steals or something, or you need a pitcher, I'm like, this is the time to do it. So start making some moves. There's still plenty of time to make moves in your leagues. Uh, and he would be a great guy to do that with. So that's a good, good call on that one. Yeah, he was just outside of the top 100. 105 was his uh, ADP. So yeah, at first I thought it was him, and then I looked down. I'm like, no, nah, it's not. It's the other guy. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the Miami Marlins. And they had a couple I could see arguments for. Some young players, like Jesus Sanchez is one. That's uh, Really started the year good, kind of slumped a bit. He, I could see the argument. I went John Birdie. I think a lot of people agree John Birdie. Uh, he was the benefactor of a Joey Wendell and, and, um, and Brian Anderson injuries to get him playing time. Right now, my buddy Jazz is out, which is not cool. But so we'll see what happens when they're all back. But for now, Birdie's still playing pretty much every day, slitting towards the top of the order. The dude's got 27 stolen bases. Joe, I don't know how old you are. I don't need to know how old you are. I can guess you're definitely younger than me. Um, when I was young in the late 80s and early 90s, guys used to steal 60 plus bases. That was a thing. Joe John Birdie might be one of the first ones to do that in quite some time if he plays the rest of the way. That's still a big if, but to me, he's the first half surprise for the Marlins. Well, I'm definitely younger than you are. I grew up early 2000s was my yeah, time. That's how I figured. I figured. <laughs> and uh, guys that I remember going for massive steal seasons off the top of my head would be Scott Pitsednik in the mid-2000s. Yeah, I think yeah. he went off for like a 70-plus steal season 
Jose Reyes with the Mets had a couple of massive ones. I'm trying to think of who else. I don't think Billy Hamilton ever really got up there as much as he tried. He tried. (laughs) If he he played 162, then he would have had a legit shot at like 100. But I think from your area, you're talking about like Vince Coleman and Ricky Ricky Henderson, guys that can go for all the time. It was like those like automatic. Yeah, like 100 steel potential guys. Now, in terms of the Marlon Schwarber, or sorry, Schwarber, uh, John Birdie is. If he played a whole season uh, with his current stolen base pace, it would be a 79, a 79 steal pace, which is ridiculous. He's not going to hit 162 games, obviously. And that's one thing he's always kind of had with him. He's never played more than, I don't think, 85 games in a season. One thing I do really like with Birdie year on year is his strikeout percentage has gone down. So it's 26.7 down to 25.4 down to 24.8 and then 22.5 and now this year it's 20.8 so year on year he's striking out less and less i really like that i'm a little worried about the lack of periphery stats he's not going to hit you any home runs uh the average is all right it's been pretty good recently actually because he's just been he's been the everyman except for the home runs but i'm just a little bit worried about sustainability down the stretch uh it is possible that he just steals 50 or 60 bags but I wrote about him a couple of weeks ago as being someone you could probably sell high on just because of all the hype you could get yourself back, like a really solid guy with a higher floor than Birdie. Not that I necessarily think you have to sell, but I think there's a lot of value in him right now that I don't know if we're going to see that sustain uh, for another 80 games. 100% agree. Like I love John Birdie. He has helped my team and many others out so far. But we have, if he steals another 30 plus bases, awesome. Kudos. Great. Sweet. But it's also the old adage, like um, when during draft season, we talk about it when people focus on a certain category in their draft, you only have to win the category. You don't have to blow out the category. So like there's a such thing as a surplus of a certain category that like you mentioned with birdie, he's not getting you power. He's not doing a lot of things that are going to not help you out there where you could flip a birdie to a team that needs stolen bases because stolen bases are very hard to find. And um, and you could get a couple things you need. So I think it's a great call. Uh, I think it's definitely an option out there. Birdie's awesome. I do think, though, when um, it just takes one slump from Birdie for one, and Chisholm coming back with a healthy Anderson and a healthy Wendell, they're going to be platooning a lot of guys. Like, Birdie can play the outfield, sure. Brian Anderson can play the outfield, sure. But um, it's not going to be as automatic, is what I'm trying to say. And that can make things very interesting because if they start benching Jazz, I might drive to Miami and riot. So, <laughs> like, it, it, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, I'm with you on the Birdie thing. Could be very interesting. It's a great point you made there about, uh, you know, there can be too much of a, of a good thing. And, you know, his ADP was just south of 700. He's another guy who didn't cost you anything. You almost certainly picked him up off the waiver wire. If you're talking about a roto format where he's already given you 27 steals, sell him to a guy who's looking for steals and look at where you're weak in one area. Now, head to head's a different story. You might need some steals going forward. But even there, uh, he's, he's he was a free pickup. And I think you can really capitalize, get yourself like a, a top 100 rest of season type of player for him, just based on hype alone. Yeah, don't totally, totally agree. I think it's a, a great call. Let's go to the Washington Nationals because we have to. Um, <laughs> this is one of the teams Joe and I were talking about before the show where really it's, I guess the biggest surprise is Juan Soto was only hitting 240 or something like that. That's your biggest surprise. But uh, I had to pick a player. So I picked Luis Garcia. Came in from the minors, hitting close to 300. Not a lot of power, though. It's been pretty putrid. Um, do you have anything for a surprise for Washington? Because it's it's been a rough season if you're a Nationals fan. Well, 
you could go when you say surprises. Now, if I didn't watch the show with Torres last week, then I might have thought surprises could mean a number of different things, like a Tyler O'Neill type of surprise or like a Juan Soto type of surprise uh, where you see in definitely not what you paid for on draft day. Now, Soto hit a home run today. Uh, actually, he's been better recently, and I think he'll be fine in the second half. Uh, Luis Garcia, it's it's frustrating that he's been great from a batting average point of view. I think he's just south of 300. The, home, the lack of home runs and steals are frustrating. He's one for four in stolen base attempts. Uh, I mean, granted, second base is kind of a weak position. I know he's their primary shortstop, but he's also eligible at second. I like him okay. He's more of a deeper league guy, I think. But second base is a fairly weak position. We've seen guys who we thought would have value there, like Max Muncy and Jonathan India, who have not really lived up to what you thought. A lot of people have moved on from those guys, although maybe a little bit early, especially on India. But if you're looking to replace them, uh, you could go with uh, Luis Garcia. He showed a little bit more power last year. He hit six bombs in 70 games. So maybe he can be a, a 10 home run kind of guy. Maybe. Uh, I, like you said, it's it's we're kind of grasping at straws here. But he, he's been fairly surprising enough. I think he's probably been a, a, a very good story in Washington, more so than a fantasy relevant kind of asset. Yeah, I'm with you. And on the Soto front, I almost tweeted it out today, but I'm kind of just biting my tongue because I am always been a, a team Soto guy. And um, he's up to 243 entering today's game before he hit the home run. He walked twice. Last week, I wrote about him. That's why I want to bring this up because I kind of hinted at it earlier. He hit 500 last week. He went nine for 18, plus he walked like almost 30% of the time. He had a couple home runs. That's where I said it's almost the closest thing to Barry Bonds you're going to see. Like literally, they walked the dude a third of the time. He barely gets any pitches to hit. The team stinks. Like, yeah, I think he had he had three or four home runs. I think actually he had six RBIs. That's how bad the Nationals are. And the reason I mention this is because he did what he did last week. His average up to two forty three. It wasn't very long ago when he was hitting like two twenty, and everybody said the world was on fire. So when Juan Soto finishes the year hitting around three hundred, I'm going to laugh so hard because he is that good, and I would not be shocked if he did it. So it'll be very entertaining. No, yeah, and like the walks are there. Everything else looks pretty solid. It's been a terrible Babip for Soto this year. And I think I mentioned it with Ryan actually on the show that came out today that you can probably buy low on Juan Soto still. It's not necessarily your classic, you know, dirt cheap buy low, but he's going to cost you less than he would have cost you uh, at the beginning of the season when it would have been you would have had to swap out a Ramirez or a Bichette or somebody first round pick if you're an early season type of trader. Now he's going to cost you somewhere, I don't know, still expensive, but definitely not as nearly as much as he would have. And, you know, like you said, he's going to end up batting 300. The RBIs aren't going to be great, but I'd be trying to buy Juan Soto if you can. No doubt about it. Let's go to the NL Central here. we got the Milwaukee Brewers kicking things off. And Aaron Ashby, uh, people were kind of hyped on him, potentially having an, an impact at some time this season. It's come very early. And he started out outstanding. It's been a little bit of a hiccup of late. He did go four and a third today on Wednesday with one earned, three walks, five Ks in his outing against Minnesota. And he only gave up two runs in his last outing against Pittsburgh after four really rough ones. Um, but if you look at all the peripheral stats, he still looks great. The strikeout rate's great. Swinging strike rate's great. Uh, there's a lot of promise in Aaron Ashby still. So he was my surprise for Milwaukee. Do you agree with that? Do you have anything on Ashby or do you have someone else? Because I will say people could pick Rowdy Telez. I just wasn't surprised by Rowdy Telez because I love Rowdy Telez. But uh, yeah, I, I get that if people want to pick him too. Rowdy from his time in Toronto, it'll always make me sick. You know, the Toronto media, we need a left-handed bat. We need a left-handed bat. We had a left-handed bat. Uh -huh. he, was, he, was, he was blocked by Vladdy. I get it. 
there's too much going on with Kirk in terms of DH spots. So you don't really even have room for him necessarily, but it's just, it stings to see him maybe not thriving, but doing very well. I was always a big rowdy fan. I love the name who goes by rowdy. You know, he's the yeah. only rowdy. He's, he was great. He's awesome. Um, now I don't have the stats in front of me and it just honestly popped into my head as we were talking about this, but Andrew McCutcheon, I think has been fairly surprising. That's fair. Uh, Especially I, of late, yes. Not really expected much out of him, but uh, he hit. I think he hit a home run today or yesterday. He's yesterday, been, I have him in a couple of points leagues, and in a points league, he's been great. So, uh, in terms of Aaron Ashby, he's got a stat cast page that would make a bull charge. It is <laughs> red all over the place. Everything, really everything. He's like 70th percentile or better. Uh, average exit velocity, slugging, or uh, expected slugging, uh, velo. Strikeout percentage, chase rate, barrels, literally like everything, everything red across the board. Yes, the results haven't really been there, but he's a guy you could probably pick up off of waiver wires if we're talking, you know, your standard Yahoo 10, 12 team leagues. A lot of people would probably be sick of him. He's got a 452 ERA, but he's got a 310 XFIP. Uh, I expect a pretty strong second half. Now, he wasn't someone who was so uh, such an oversight in draft season. His ADP was 272. But I think a lot of people have probably gotten sick of him, especially if you're not someone who digs too deep into the stats. You just look at the ERA and you think yeah, he he hasn't really he hasn't really lived up to what we thought he was going to be early in the season. He was great, but I think there's a chance to either buy or just pick him up if you can. He's been great. Yeah, yeah he's been maybe not hasn't been great, but uh, the underlying stats have been great. Yeah, he's gonna he should on paper be just fine. And the last two starts have showcased a little more of that for sure. But yeah, yeah, that stretch four straight starts of four runs or more. And I I know in twelve teams, even on NPC, guys were dropping him. Like he was getting dropped. So um people got some gifts handed to him. It happens from time to time. So uh yeah, if you can find Aaron out there, go get some Aaron. The St. Louis Cardinals, I had Brendan Donovan down. I like your answer a lot better. So we're gonna go with yours because I totally just like a dum-dum, went right over top of Ryan Helsley, who the season started out with Giovanni Gallegos, and Paul Sporer probably does not listen to the show, but shout-out to you, Paul, because I'll never forget at uh, First Pitch Arizona when we were doing our live draft that we did the first half of the draft on hold, and he picked Giovanni Gallegos in, I think, the third or fourth round, and I yelled from across the hall, the room, basically, that you're an idiot, Paul. I can't believe they pay you at Fangraphs for this. And I just did it to mess with him because that's how the sense of humor Paul and I have together. And um, we argued about it all week and long. But moral of the story is, I was right, Paul. Um, Gallegos has been good. I'm not going to say he hasn't been good. But Ryan Helsley has been the closer to roster in St. Louis as he has um, seven saves. He's got six holes, five wins. The dude's been amazing. So I'm going to give you the floor since you put him down. I think it's a great call on you. Where did this come from? Uh, 40% K rate, ERA is sub one, and the XFIP is 2.45, which, I mean, you can't expect it to be in that same sub one range. It's just not realistic. It just it doesn't happen. So even if it is a 2.45, that's fantastic. Uh, very deserving of being in the all-star game. I know there were some snubs in the NL. Carlos Rodon, namely on the pitcher side. The two highest, just as a side note, the two highest pitching wars in Major League Baseball, Rodon and Kevin Gosman, were both left off the All-Star game rosters. Yeah, that's uh, you got to love it. And then and then, you, and then you hear all the arguments in the offseason that they decide uh, MVPs based on war. So go figure. Yeah, we needed Paul Blackburn and uh, Joe Mantiply in there for sure. But uh, the stupid rule where every team gets a player. 
you know, uh, yeah, it's, I know uh, the Welsh is kind of going on about Joe Mantiply, how it's, no one's going to have a jersey there except for his parents. So it's, 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 it's a shame that everybody's got to get one, but I understand it to try and keep the fan bases involved, but I'm glad Helsley got in there anyway. And I mean, Alex Reyes not being there has definitely opened up more of a uh, deep role in that rotation, in that uh, bullpen. I know that Reyes kind of fell out of favor last year, but it's still another arm that he doesn't have to compete with. Uh, he's provided like third round value and he was not even being drafted like 750 ADP in that range. You're being drafted by maybe a couple of people. If you're talking like uh, 50 team drafts or whatever, or 50, uh, 50 team rosters, I should say 50 player rosters. Jesus, I can't speak, but uh, he was, a, he was a total afterthought. This is kind of what I was hoping that Joan Duran would do. And he's done it to a lesser level, but uh, Helsley has been argue one of the top five relievers in all of baseball from, just a waiver wire pickup so great value yeah he's been absolutely amazing and i was uh i'm kind of mad because i grabbed him or i added him one week um when he was kind of getting buzzed to be a closer so i had to pay a ton of money for him then it looked like he was going to lose the job didn't have it for a while guy goes took it back over so i dropped him of course and i digress from there it's been a, a pretty pretty lovely uh, situation all around there with Helsley. He's been awesome. Like you said, where did it come from? I don't know. Uh, and for those that are going to report back to Paul, I was just joking around. So don't get <laughs> feisty, Paul. Um, well, real quick, I'm trying to pull it up. That's why I'm killing time here. But let's look at uh, Yahoo 12 teamers. I'm looking at the um, the player raider on uh, Razbox. I do want to see, you have me curious now, where does uh, Helsley land on the player raider list here? And uh, he's been that good so i'm very curious here um relief pitchers season to date rasball player raider 12 team um yahoo formats he is the third best reliever in baseball in fantasy baseball so behind clay holmes and edwin diaz so that's better than wow sorry uh, better than hater surprises me i'm surprised well yeah hater on this list is six there goes holmes Edwin Diaz, Ryan Helsley, Kenley Jansen, Emmanuel Classe, and Josh Hader. Wow. Holmes had a kind of a falling off a cliff moment last night a little bit, eh? Yeah, he had a rough one, and the stupid fans in New York booed him. Like, unbelievable. <laughs> like, idiots. Um, but what's even more impressive, so Hader at six is surprising. Just I'm going to round out the top ten here, because this is maybe an argument not to take closers early. It's always a fun argument. After Josh Hader, the seventh best reliever, Jorge Lopez. The eighth best reliever, David Bednar. The ninth best reliever, Daniel Bard. And the tenth best reliever from Kansas City, Scott Barlow. Wild. Wild times. Wow. I think Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks was the highest drafted closer this year. He's nowhere yeah. to be found on that list. Him and Hater. Like so Hater and like Kenley are like I think the only two I named there that were actually drafted for the closing role are in class A. So three of them. Yeah. Other than that, it's wide open. Surprise, Edwin stuff. Diaz. Edwin Diaz as well. Was he not? Oh, on sorry. There? Yeah, I, I mentioned him. Sorry. Yeah, he was the second. He's number two. Yeah. Okay. I thought because he's been so great. four. Four of the top ten were guys that people targeted overall, but six of them nowhere to be found. And uh, if I kept going down, it's Paul Sewell, Adam Simber, AJ Mentor, then Jordan Romano. So it's there's a lot of wow. non-targeted closers. It's a pretty entertaining relief. It's a relief pitcher, so it's a the grand scheme of things, but it still says a lot about uh, how the closing situation's going. Pittsburgh Pirates, another team that is uh, whew, having a rough go of it. And I, 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 I like this guy as a surprise. He's only hitting 201, strikes out a ton. But I think he leads all NL rookies and home runs with 14. And that is Jack Sawinski. So um, 
Jack Sawinski's. There's lots of good and lots of bad, and not to mention he plays for the Pirates. But uh, there wasn't a whole lot of other surprises. Um, people, it might be O'Neill Cruz by the end of the season. But uh, other than that, I really couldn't find anything. David Bednar probably deserves it, actually, now that I've mentioned him on that list. But uh, yeah. I put, I put Zawinski. Uh, I don't really remember Bednar's stats from last year. I think he was not too bad, though. I don't. He no. wasn't this good. But there was, was a little speculation he'd be the closer this year, not like a complete surprise. Surprise. Yeah, with Sawinski, uh, it's unfortunate timing right now. He's over his last twenty-five, so it's been a rough couple of weeks. But the power seems to be there. Uh, one thing I should mention is the Babbitt luck has been has been pretty shitty. He's at two thirty-three. Uh, he's usually been at plus three hundred uh, in his time in the minors, so I like that. I like that his O swing is only 27.6%. He's, he has a pretty good eye, it seems. Uh, but that 201 batting average is, has killed you. So I expect him to get a little bit better in terms of the average. And the power, I think it'll be able to sustain as like a 20-ish home run guy. And I know uh, I know Welsh was saying he likes Sawinski more than O'Neill Cruz uh, this year. I know he's not a big O'Neill Cruz guy, but it's interesting uh, t- to see what he thinks knowing the prospect world like he does. Uh, I think Cruz is going to be good over time, but Sawinski has, uh, has been impressive. Uh, other, than, other than some of the recent struggles this last week, he's been pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I was surprised to see 201, but the 0 for 25 makes sense in that regard. But yeah, the power is legit. I think that's something to keep an eye on. And they've had some other guys come through there. Like Dio Castillo's been good. Michael Chavis has been like, they're good, but nothing great. Um, so it's been it's been tough to to pencil it down there in Pittsburgh. But David Bednar, go get traded to a good team and go, go enjoy some winning, man. That'd be a, that'd be fun for you. Chicago Cubs, they got a lot of moving pieces in Chicago, but right now Christopher Morell, I'll be honest, didn't know much about him coming into the season. Have him rostered in a lot of leagues now, I do. But uh, when he was leading off, it was really awesome. He's kind of moved down to the order a bit, but he's got some power, got some speed, got ten homers, seven steals, decent average. Been quite productive for the the Cubs, so I think he's he's a surprise for me. What about you? Yeah, and he's eligible at second and third and in the outfield. I don't think he has the third base eligibility on uh, on ESPN. I'm not sure about NFBC, but NFBC second, is second base outfield, second base and outfield. It's still a very viable combination. Yeah. Uh, you can plug him into your lineup, and he's been a guy who's been worthy of not just a bench role, but as a starting guy, as a five category contributor. I mean, less than 200 at bats, uh, 199 at bats, seven steals, nine homers, 266 average. Uh, 34 runs. That's that's legit 2020 potential, I think. Uh, if you look at the the prospect ratings, 66, 60 out of 60 speed tool, 50 out of 50, or 55 out of 60 raw power. Uh, he's been one of the bright spots for a fairly disappointing Cubs team. Not that they had high expectations. Uh, his BABIP is pretty high, 364, so that might come down a little bit. But I think the power and the speed are, are pretty legit. So uh, I, I agree with you completely. Morel has been very surprising and very beneficial to a couple of my teams. Yep. A hundred percent with you on that one. Hopefully well, we'll see what they do. The Cubs should be making some trades here. So we'll see how that affects things going forward. One thing I will say is Wilson Contreras this season is insane. So yeah. that's a uh, kudos to him. Um, Cincinnati Reds. I wrote down Kyle Farmer. I like your answer a lot better. Um, Brandon Drury has been ridiculous. I just wanted to give Kyle Farmer some props though. Cause he's been very, very good. Um, way better than people give him credit for. So um, that, that's good on him. But Brandon Jury, my goodness, what he's been able to put together this season with um, a whopping 18 home runs already, even two steals, which isn't bad. But it's like a 259 ISO, a 870 OPS, and a 136 WRC plus from Brandon Drury, you would have lost every bet coming into the season if you would have put anything close to those numbers out there. So, yeah, you, you put the right one down on the list there, Joe. 
Well, Farber, I, I like Farber. Now, it's a shame he doesn't have catcher eligibility like he had last year. That would yeah. have been fantastic. Like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and, and, and Farber were two guys who I loved last year because they you could plug him in a catcher. So, And, and he hasn't been too bad, uh, Farmer. He's been he's been very serviceable, uh, certainly not as much as last year. But Brandon Drury, uh, he's already had his highest war season this year, 2.2. Uh, he's even stolen a couple of bags, which is actually a career high two steals. He's never even gotten this far. So you'll take it. You know, two isn't zero. It's something. Uh, I think he'll be traded at the deadline. I think the Reds would be stupid to not trade him. His value is so high. Uh, he, we've seen improvements all over the board from him. So his line, more or sorry, less line, more line drives, less ground balls, more fly balls. Uh, he's been fantastic. He's another guy who was just a waiver wire pickup. Uh, I, I hope he gets traded. I hope he goes to a contender because he's been legit. Yeah, and this is a question I think we had on last Thursday's show is he should get traded, um, but we need, we were trying to figure out where he'd go because Yancey was asking us what it would do to his value because obviously hitting the Great American Small Park is the best thing you could ever have. So it's always going to be a downward swing no matter where he goes, just how much is the question. So that'll be fun to see where he ends up and see where it goes. So it might be a sell situation right now if you can, uh, just to, to, to get ahead of the train on that one. But Drury's been awesome, and his eligibility's nuts. He's all over the place. So... I'm with you on that one too. Yeah, I don't know about fantasy if you necessarily need to be selling him. Like it's I don't know how sustainable it is. Um you you'd recommend trying to trying to sell him right now, you think? I just don't know where he's going to go cuz whatever ballpark he goes in is already going to be not as good as where he's at that's, now. That's true. That's true. And if it's a contending team, is he going to have an everyday role like he has now? You think so? But you never know. Like the Dodgers could use him, but would he play every day cuz they lost Chris Taylor, so that'd be a great fit um the red Sox could use him the jays could probably use him uh, we named a bunch of contending other you know, braves could use him to take ozzy albies box he's played cano for crying out loud he'd probably play every day there but um it, a lot of the places like it's like 50 50 the half the teams he'd probably play every day half the contenders you could see him play a utility role and that's where it gets interesting so i don't know you don't you might not need to trade him but you can also strike pretty high right now too yeah he's been like a top 40 or something player this year well i got the rasball player rater up let's just have some (laughs) fun with this um let's just talk all hitters here let's go utility probably could be higher than 40 i'm thinking just fantasy with mixing in pitchers and everything but if you're talking about just hitters i'm guessing like top 25 i'm gonna do all players here and um if this thing wants to load yeah i got you it's now it's gonna be fussy Uh, let's just reload the page here now there we go brandon drury this is this is why we have good radio he is uh, one two three yeah he's a he's 25th if you do pitchers and hitters yep oh with pitchers pitchers, he's 25th wow yahoo 12 teamers 25th with pitchers that's That's how good he's been when it comes to fantasy so yeah that uh, that calculates as a surprise for sure another guy who was not drafted whatsoever yeah he's had to be free um another guy we're gonna go to the nl west now he's right in front of brandon drury on the player rater 24th overall when he took pitchers and hitters together that's tony gonsolin the cat man himself he's been great for the dodgers 11 wins already like every year that julio urias had all the wins last year uh, tony gonsolin's already got 11 wins this year and 16 starts which is insane decent strikeout numbers great era there will be some regression that's just normal but he's still putting up pretty solid numbers so what do you got on Gonsolin? Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be regression. This is something out of a movie script, right? 11-0, 162 ERA, 0.80 whip. Uh, now, the BABIP he's allowing is 183, 
and he's stranding 91% of base runners. So those are going to change. Uh, the XFIP is 382. If he gets the 382, he's still going to be fine. And I say he's a sell, not necessarily that he's going to be terrible going forward, but he's someone that's not going to be where he is right now. Uh, you could get back someone probably very, very pretty for him. Uh, he was going around pick 300 uh, in draft season. He's been one of the biggest values of the whole year, providing like first round, second round value. Uh, he's already had his career high in pitches, so it's another thing that I kind of worry about a little bit. So I'd probably sell, but I think he's still going to be fine going forward. I've always liked the guy. Yeah, I've liked him too. I got a lot of flack for uh, taking him in, in deeper leagues in the preseason. Like, oh, he won't get enough innings. He won't do this. Well, I'll take 11 wins right now. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, did, did I think that would happen? No. But uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool when it does. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I like Gonsolin, and it, it does not hurt that he pitches for the Dodgers. That's always going to be a plus. And he, it's one of those teams where he can give up. He, he could have an ERA of four and still have 11 wins, and he wouldn't have been surprised. So that's the beauty of this. He's not pitching for the Giants. This is a, the Dodgers. So you have a beautiful thing going for you there. Let's go to the Padres here. And this was kind of a tough one to really pick a guy, to be honest. But I went with Jorge Alfaro, who's been very good. He's been playing outfield and catcher, so and a little bit of first base, actually. So he's played all over the diamond for the Padres, hitting almost 270 on the season, a little bit of pop, even as a stolen base. Uh, so I went with Jorge Alfaro. What's your thoughts? San Diego just didn't have a lot of options. Yeah, there's really not much. I mean, maybe Mackenzie Gore, if you exclude the last couple of weeks, but it's, it'd be impossible to do it now. But there was a point where he was definitely the biggest surprise out there. Uh, I love I love Alfaro's eligibility catcher and in the outfield. It's that uh, there's another guy coming up. I don't want to spoil who's got that eligibility. And also Eric, Eric Haas for the Tigers. I love that mix. Uh, it saves the legs of the, the catcher, and it also allows you to play him like six days a week. So uh, Alfaro, this is kind of like what he did in 2019, where he had 18 homers and 57 RBIs. He batted 262. He's doing similar stuff with strikeout and walk numbers as he did that year. Now, I'm a little worried. Uh, the BABIP is a touch high, but his career BABIP is 375. It's very high already, so I'm not too, too worried. It's just something to, to note. He stole eight bases last year, so like you said with the steals, uh, it could be something that we see a little bit more of down the line. He's about as good as you're going to find over there in terms of a surprise. Uh, maybe one of the pitchers like Musgrove has been a surprise, I guess, yeah. for how good he's been, but I don't think that really fits the criteria here necessarily. Yeah, because like the studs have been Musgrove, Machado, who you expected to be studs. Cronenworth starting to get it going, but you expected him to be good. Yeah. So it's it's just been kind of like you would hope maybe CJ Abrams that didn't work. Uh, it's just been some 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 holes. So I, I like Alfaro. He's been uh, added in a ton of leagues lately as a catcher too. So um, people are catching on to that as well. He's been very serviceable. I like that Eric Haas shout by the way. Uh, he's a twenty home run pop from a catcher with outfield eligibility is pretty pretty primo. So oh, yeah. I like that one a lot. All right, let's go to the Giants. Let's talk Jock Jams. He's actually up to bat as we speak against the Diamondbacks right now. Uh, Jock Peterson has been nuts. All-star, 17 home runs, hitting 256. They showed his stats right when he walked up. And twice as many plate appearances basically last year, he had 18 home runs and 61 RBIs and a lower batting average. So he's playing very, very well this season. I don't know. I got, I love watching him every day. I was pumped when the Giants got him just because he's fun and, and great atmosphere. But what he's done so far – way outseated uh, exceeded my expectations i don't know about you well when he first started going on a tear because there's been a couple of hot streaks and there was a little bit of cold mixed in i think somewhere in uh, early mid-may i thought he was going to be like a daily changes uh, specialty guy where you put him in there against right-handed pitching maybe three four times a week probably four or five times a week 
and pretty much what Matt Carpenter has become. That's what I expected out of Peterson. Peterson's become more of a mainstay. He's an all-star uh, for the second time in his career. And he's going to capitalize in the offseason, I think, and get himself a lot of money. He's on a one-year, $6 million deal right now. I think he's going to get something like Kyle Schwarber kind of money, four years, 80 kind of million dollars in that range. Uh, career highs in a lot of a lot of key areas for Peterson. Uh, WRC plus, hard hit percentage, uh, expected slugging, barrel rates. He's done he's done a very good job for himself. He just seems to be able to thrive wherever he goes, and maybe thrive is a little bit too uh, too heavy of a word there. But I really love Jock Peterson. All the fantasy stuff from earlier in the year. He's just a personality. I love the guy. Yeah, big big fan of his. He just got robbed of extra bases, so that was fun to watch. <laughs> but um, yeah, I love him. And what I love is just even the story about his brother who, who's got some disabilities, and he's from the Bay Area. And the Giants built a locker next to Jocks for his brother. It's just it's a really cool story watching the whole thing. So he brings his brother around all the time, and uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch, especially at, at the All Star game during the Home Run Derby. I don't think Jocks in it. It'd be fun if he was. He's done it well in it before. But his brother's been there at those. And it's always been very entertaining. So. Love seeing all of that. Um, got a couple more here. We go to Arizona, the man that was in the top 100 of ADPs, like you were mentioning, that does have catcher outfit eligibility. And I have, I, I was a big Delton Varsho supporter coming into the season. Lots of love for him. I was dying on that hill. I was nervous because there were some smart people that said, You're an idiot. But he's hitting 235 with 12 homers and five stolen bases. Not great. It's kind of been a slump of late, but pretty darn good at the same time. So I'll take it with Dalton Varsha. What do you got on him? Yeah, his June was just piss poor. It was it was like really, really bad. Uh, the catcher eligibility, and he plays catcher. I think about half the time, more than half the time, roughly. Yep. Uh, that's a that's a huge part of his value. If he was doing this with, as just an outfielder, he'd be someone who would probably just be mixed in to the bunch. But uh, I was big on him as well. So uh, baseball pods on Twitter, Chris. He posted something before the season that was asking who, you know, plant your flag kind of thing. Who are your guys? And Varsho was one of my guys. It was Varsho, Luke Voigt, Logan Gilbert, and Alex Wood. Bit of a mixed bag there. And Varsho is someone who I picked a, I took a lot of shares. Like a, most of my leagues, I reached a little bit for him. I like him. I think that that was a terrible month, but he'll correct. Uh, he's already, he's going to have career high in home runs. Hopefully the steals turn around a little bit more, only five. Uh, he, you know, close to 20 steal guy in multiple seasons in the minors. I'm hoping for more, and a lot of it's dragged down by that one terrible month. But uh, rest of the season, uh, no, no need to worry. He's definitely been a huge, huge surprise for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, he's uh, already hitting much better in July. He has a two-run triple in today's game in his first at bat. So uh, that was great to see as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in Varsho. And honestly, I'd love to look back and really get into the numbers on his bad June because he caught I think more than usual because Kelly was on the IL. Instead of right. playing the outfields, I wonder if that affected him offensively potentially. So something to think about as well. But even with the struggles, looking at the player Raider, he's the third best fantasy catcher this season behind Wilson Contreras and Alejandro Kirk. So uh, Varsha has been, been just fine, all things considered, when you're, when you look, you're breaking it all down. Last but not least, we go to Colorado because we have to. <laughs> and, um, you know, honestly, I was thinking about Charlie Blackman might be a surprise. He's got his 14th home run yesterday. Like, yeah. that's like a least reasonable conversation. I put Connor Joe, five homers, five stolen bases, hitting 265. I will say with the caveat, be careful. They might be starting to look like maybe kind of platooning him. So just keep that in mind. Uh, when you're watching that, follow Mike Curland. He mentions a lot of that kind of stuff. So look into that. But uh, I put Connor Joe. What's your thoughts on that? Or do you have someone else in Colorado? 
No, I think right before we started, I was going to throw uh, Charlie Blackman on the list, and I was thinking I can't, I can't do that to him. Just right before we get going here, just throw throw that at him. But Blackman, we kind of thought he was in a bit of a decline. I was big on him last year, and he the, the end of season numbers last year were not too bad, but it was a struggle for a lot of it. Uh, it took him a while to get going. Connor Joe, I was pretty big on, especially in those first couple of weeks when he was really hot. He was someone who was, you know, his roster percentage shot up and now it's shot way back down into like the 30s. Uh, and we're talking about like Yahoo roster percentages there. Last year in 63 games, he was 285, eight home runs. Looked like it was going to be a monster year and it's been not great recently. He hasn't hit a bomb in the last month. Uh, five steals, 265 average. You'll take it. I think he's more of a play in five outfielder leagues and three outfielder leagues. I think there's probably some better options. But we've seen a bit of turnaround with Colorado's offense with Chris Bryant. Uh, on today's show, we were talking about uh, first half disappointments on my show. And people we were expecting more things from in the second half. And one of those guys that Ryan mentioned was Randall Grichik. So if yeah. everything can turn around a little bit out there in Colorado, more of the pieces start gelling together. Uh, we might see a better second half out of Joe. But he's still been a surprise. But it, it was... It's tough to pick out in Colorado. It really is. All right. Uh, we went through those, and we have breaking news right now. Star Platinum in the chat mentions Tanner Rainey to the 60-day IL with a UCL sprain just reported by NBC Sports. That usually leads to Tommy John surgery. Um, and it's kind of funny is not the right word. Ironic, I guess, is on yesterday's show, Recapping Fab with Ryan Roof, he does the Rotowire bullpen report and all the, the charts and everything for Rotowire. And I asked him at the end of the show, do you have some like potential guys to target as sleepers? And he mentioned Kyle Finnegan is because Rainey has been struggling. I guess we know why Rainey has been struggling now. He has a sprained UCL. So go get Kyle Finnegan. Yeah, I'm just trying to look and see how many guys they have in the pen who are even possible fill-ins. And it's it's tough going out there, man. Uh yeah, I'll have to I'll have to uh go with Finnegan as well because there's really not much going on. That's tough. I've had Rainey in a couple spots. He hasn't been, I mean, only 12 saves. There was a long stretch of no saves, but that's really unfortunate. You hate to see that. Yeah, that's a rough one. That's a rough one, but thanks for the uh, the heads up there, Star. I appreciate it. Yeah, when you're looking at uh, Washington's bullpen, Finnegan would be the dude because coming into the season was supposed to be Rainey, Finnegan, potentially battling it out for it. Rainey got it. So you'd imagine Finnegan fits in, but you got your C-Shecks who's had history doing it. Um, Tyler Clippard's in the pen. Yeah, it's ugly. It's ugly all around. So good luck with that. Uh, Star did have a question for us, though, also. Do you think Eddie Rosario is going to get regular playing time and Duvall can be cut? Um, before I let Joe have the floor, I will say, I said uh, follow Mike Curling because he does a lot of uh, charting of lineups and everything. And he's mentioned since Cano's been there and since Duvall's been back from Turney list, I think it's like three games or something. Um, Duvall's face lefties, Rosario's face righties. Cano's face righties, Orlando Arcia's face lefties. So there seems to be a platoon in the outfield in that second base. So what's your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, it's unfortunate with Duvall. You know, we saw what he did last year, 38 homers, 113 RBIs. Haven't really seen that this year. I'm Depending on league size, uh, I'd probably be all right to cut him in standard leagues. Rosario, I mean, he's just come back. Uh, he, I think he had like the LASIK eye surgery, right? He was couldn't see properly at the beginning yep. of the year. So I might want to hold out on him a little bit longer just to see what kind of correction there is. And if, you know, if he starts mashing, then they will put him into the lineup. We've also had more of an opportunity this year and we haven't really seen it. So I'd be, I'd be more inclined to cut him. It's unfortunate, multiple 30 home run seasons, but it's not really doing it this year. Rosario, yep, I, Rosario, I'd give a bit more time. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, you're fine. I'm with you. And uh, Rosario can hit lefties. So we'll see how that one plays out. 
And then Torres, our buddy Torres takes has a question, a real baseball question. He says, "Who's taking the AL, the NL East, the Mets or the Braves?" And we kind of like talked around that earlier in the show. Didn't really hit on it, but the Braves are coming back on the Mets. Mets got some potential help coming in the Grom. You think the Mets or the Braves wins the division? Well, I think Jacob Degrom is the huge wild card there. They're pretty neck and neck right now. Uh, Scherzer coming back is going to give them a little bit of a boost. Obviously, he already has. He's been dominant. If Degrom comes back and he's old, Jacob Degrom, it's hard to go against the Mets. We saw. I mean, their lineup can really pop off any given day. And today, we saw Marcana hit a home run. Lindor, uh, Eduardo Escobar, just those depth guys produce for them. Brandon Nimmo. They're really deep with names that aren't really household names. And then, of course, Pete Alonso and. Those guys who you do know, everybody contributes there. We talked about Edwin Diaz earlier. They've just had a lot of contributors. If they get the ground back, it's hard to go against the Mets. Yeah, I'm going to go Braves. Yeah, okay. I don't disagree with what you're saying about Degrom. I guess I'm just nervous we get Degrom back to what Degrom's supposed to be because I just even when I see him throwing 100, I get nervous that arm's going to fall off again. Um, and can Taiwan Walker keep pitching this well? So uh, I'm I'm going Braves, but then again, Spencer Strider might be out for like who knows? Who knows? It's going to be interesting. It's fun. It's fun to have that conversation. Let's put it that way. To have the Mets uh, potentially in this thing, I'm going to go Braves. I like the Braves offense better than the Mets. So I'm going to go that direction, but it should be a very fun one indeed. They're both deep. They're both really deep. And, you know, if Rosario does do what I'm hoping he'll do, and maybe Duvall will turn it around. Who knows? Uh, They are are very deep. They're both, like, I'm not going to say nine deep lineups, but, you know, even guys like Luis Guillorme for the Mets, just to plead my case one more time. Like, everybody seems to contribute over there. Uh, I, if I had to bet, I'd say the Mets, but it'll be interesting at the end of year to see uh, who's right here. <laughs> it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun indeed. And what else was fun was this show, Joe. I truly appreciate you joining me. It was a great time. Uh, before we sign off for the day, why don't you remind everybody once once again where they can find you and plug all your great stuff. Yeah, I really, really appreciate you having me on here, man. I'm still a novice in these things. If you guys are hearing uh, any nerves in the voice, it's because this is, uh, Bubba, you're the big leagues, man. So this is great to be on here. This is fantastic. I hope at some point we will get you on uh, my show again. And I didn't even plug it earlier. I meant to to plug it earlier, but we'll do it now. So you guys find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99, O-R-R-I-C-O-99. I I post threads there. I post my shows there, which Monday through Friday. Uh, I do a Sunday article, which is kind of whatever I'm feeling on Friday and Saturday. Sometimes it's waiver wire. Sometimes it's buy low and sell high. Whatever I'm really feeling, it's always fantasy baseball related. Uh, maybe in the offseason, we'll do more just general baseball stuff. But uh, for all your fantasy stuff, go and hit me up over there. Now, on trade deadline day, this is the announcement I meant uh, earlier. I guess I was excited about being on here. I forgot to mention it. Trade deadline, I'm going to be live on the Sports Ethos YouTube channel. You guys can check it out. It's just at Sports Ethos on uh, Twitter. You guys can find it over there as well. And it'll be posted all over the place. We're going to have some great people on. Bubba's going to be on. Uh, some of your favorites, uh, Eric Cross and the Welsh, are going to be on for a, to dissect the prospects that get traded that day. Uh, you know, tons of people that you guys know. It'll be 3.30 to 7 p.m. Eastern. And hopefully there's a lot of trades that day. We've seen guys go down recently like Molly and Frankie Montes, who I hoped would be traded. So that might uh, might dampen the market a little bit. But it should be a very exciting day. Looking forward to talking with you again then, if not sooner. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a great time, man. No problem. Thanks for joining me. Like I said, it's been fun watching your growth already. Got some great stuff you're doing over there. So keep up the great work. I hope people keep following you and uh, 
and bugging you on Twitter. I see you're getting a bunch of questions. That means you're doing something right. So uh, uh, keep keep up the good work, and we'll definitely do this again sometime, Joe. So thanks for joining me. Yeah, that's the thing. When people are uh, shooting you a bunch of questions, the receipts are wide open, and sometimes they ask you in the morning who you should stream, and someone doesn't see the tweet till the evening, and they think, Jesus, this guy is a moron. But it, it happens, right? It's it's yeah. it's tough. It, you can't predict the future. If I think if you can get sixty percent of the sixty percent of your questions right, you're doing a very good job. And I'm not sure if I'm there, but yeah. <laughs> I hope you're, to doing, get there. you're doing a great job if that's the case. But uh, keep up the good work, and we will do this again sometime. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 409 with Joe Arico. Catch you guys next time.